Okay then, here we are now, and today I'd like to talk about different forms of love. I've got about 10, 10 different forms in which love can bloom. <laughs> this is going to help you with expanding your vocabulary for experiences. How do you describe certain experiences? It's also going to illustrate a picture of what it's like to be in love, to aspire to love, to experience love, to have love, to radiate love. And generally, it's just a good conversation to have. We don't have enough conversations about love. So these 10 or so words, these dozen or so words will help to just expand on this idea of love as a phenomenon. It's a vast phenomenon. There are many, many forms of love and many different ways in which love comes up. So that will become apparent as we go through this list. So then, first one on the list is golden love. There is a kind of love which is golden love. Gold is often seen as rare, precious, shiny, valuable. So gold is one of those colors which often gets ascribed to love. And it is a particular flavor. It is a particular thing that, well, you say some people have that golden love. Some people don't. Some people can experience love as a kind of gold. Some people can't. So it depends on very much who you are and how you conceptualize it that you can have this experience of golden love. Now, the further experience or the more sort of complex way of looking at this is to actually say, well, we have a number of different colors for love. So some people go into this conceptually and they say, okay, well, we've got golden love, we've got red love. We've got blue love, we've got silver love, we've got transparent love. And this is a more sort of thought out or fleshed out or sort of, it's just giving more range to the idea of love as a color. And not everyone does experience love like this. It's very much personal. Some people, they get the idea of love as a color and it clicks. It's very much like, wow, wow, yeah, it really is golden love. And I can see also there are other different colors in love. And I can see the qualitative feelings, the the tastes to them. And other people just think, no, nah, it doesn't work for me. A similar correlation is in music. Some people conceptualize music as colors. When a musician hears a certain key or a certain song, they get a color coming to them. And then they hear another song and it's a different color. And that's one of the levels under which they experience music. Now, of course, there are musicians who don't have that. And it just doesn't click. You say, well, this, the, the key of E minor is in dark green. And you say, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense at all. And that doesn't mean they're not experiencing music on a deep level, right? They still may be an accomplished musician, a very hard-working musician, a very knowledgeable musician, someone who is affected by music and they have music in their being, right? It's just that 
sort of speaking about it or understanding it as a color just doesn't work for them. And that's the same with love. So golden love is one of the kinds of love. Now, the second kind of love, the the second form of love that I've got on this list is field. The field of love. And related to this is the glow. So when you have a field, it's, it's like the air, right? The air is a sort of field. We have the air and there are things in the air, right? So I'm in the air. The furniture is in the air. And in an abstract sort of sense, my words that I'm saying are going out into the air. And they're also going sort of through this microphone into the speaker's and out into the air across your speakers, right? And it's all there. It's all within the air as a field. It's sort of only there if we really sort of stop to think about it. And there are all sorts of kinds of fields, right? If you look at the science, there are radio fields and light light waves and sort of, you know, quantum fields and particles and you know all the scientific stuff that is there that we don't see because of the light spectrum in the human eye right i don't don't really know much about that but i know there are many fields out there so love is a field like light it's sort of just there and when you can experience it when you get in touch with it you realize how close it is and you realize how much it pervades throughout all things. It is through all things and it's always there. So this also helps with learning how to sort of just come into a, an attunement with love, sort of related to the, the field is the sensitivity to alignment or, or sort of receptivity to the radio waves. So the the classic analogy here is you have radio waves and you need to have the right antenna in order to pick up the signal. And when you fall in love, it's like you've come into alignment and all of a sudden the radio dial has turned just onto the right station to have music playing. And so, wow, you suddenly go from static or no sound to this beautiful symphony if you're on the classical channel, that is. <laughs> I guess it does depend on... I guess the analogy breaks down, right? Because these days there's so much trash on the radio. Don't get me started. <laughs> but that's one of the metaphors that sort of plays into this idea of love as a field. And glow, I don't know where we can really fit glow into it. I'm sort of starting to think. Now that I think about it, I think glow is its own sort of word, its own sort of thing. But when you have love and you're in tune with it, then you radiate out into the field. So the glow is sort of the the sort of the opposite end or the, the turnaround of the signal. It's like someone who has heard someone speaking on the radio and they call up the talkback radio host and then they're on the radio, right? So maybe that's how we can sort of, (laughs) maybe we're stretching that analogy a little bit too much to fit what we're saying, but that's at least another, a word. So the field of love and the glow of love. So next word we've got is warm. 
Love is warm. You can have a kind of love that is warm. You have a kind of love, a form of love, which makes you feel warm and gives the feeling of warmth. This is like when you say someone has a warm heart. When you say someone has a warm heart, then that's actually love that they're talking about. That's a kind of love that they are ascribing to that person. When someone is warm-hearted, it means they love in a particular kind of way, right? When you say someone's warm-hearted, it doesn't necessarily mean they are loving of a family member or a romantic relationship. It might be of some other kind of relationship that they're talking about. There's a different dynamic going on there. And of course, the range is vast and it's probably not worth you know differentiating the different types of relationships because when you're warm-hearted well that can really apply to anything you you, you can be warm-hearted in, in any relationship or not right and maybe that's another sort of insight into <laughs> the nature of love and the forms of love and how it actually plays a part in our lives so warmth very much sits in the the chest, right, the the heart chakra or the the sort of heart muscle in the body, in the center of the body, and it's funny that it's warm love, right? You would never say that it's cold love, or chilled love, or you know hot love. I mean, maybe if you're involving a kind of sexual component, then you would say, right, okay, hot sex, that's hot love, but but even that, you know, you, you want to, there's, there's something in me that wants to separate the sex from the love. So it's not without a reason that we have this warm, this word of warmth for warm love. So next word, next kind of love, next form of love is personal love. And this means basically that I love you because you are you. And the sort of narrow version of this is that, well, I love you and I love only you. You're the only person I can love. You're the only person I've found that can (laughs) put up with my trash, maybe. (laughs) But really, there is always a relational bias There is a personal bias in our experiences with other people. It's just the way that it goes. So when you have a certain kind of love that is personal, well, that's actually just a form of love. That is just love as how it is with your experience of love. And we could even say it's a a level of development in your love, right? We can, I mean, I'm sort of reluctant to do this, but... Maybe just for this word of personal love, it it would be helpful to do this. We can say that there's levels of love and you're sort of graduating through them as experiences. And personal love is just sort of one level that you need to graduate through to have the other experiences and the other forms of love. Now, how do we go? Do we put, you know, golden love above or below a field of love? And is that above or below warm love? And is that above or below personal love? You know, that that doesn't really serve us. That kind of developmental paradigm 
doesn't really serve what we're talking about. But at least with the personal love, now you can see that this form of love is just one kind. And it is that, well, I love you and only you. And it's only because of who you are. It's only because of the things that we share. So next one on our list is burning love. And related to this is passion, a passionate love. The burning love is the fire. It's the, it's the depths of desire, the depths of longing, the depths of the wanting for someone or whether your love is towards someone or something it is it is this passion right and maybe this is where you have the the fire of love the fire of love comes under the category of burning love so that when people experience often talk in very powerful ways when someone has a burning love they're very loud in their speech. They're very loud in their actions. They're very loud in their motivations. And I don't mean loud as in, I don't mean loud as in the volume. I mean in terms of the, not necessarily the effect, but just the the weight behind them, the motivation. Even even motivation isn't the isn't the right word. It's more like just the the force. Right? When you have the force of a burning love behind you, there's a qualitative difference to all the things. So if you have a burning passion for life, then that's like, whoa, right? That's like everything you go about doing has an element of that. Now, of course, you wouldn't say you want to live your life in this constant state of intensity, right? That might be too much but to to be in touch with that to have that sort of nearby on demand there's a very different wisdom in that to having that and living your life with that than to to not knowing about burning love right and and how you bring yourself to that well that's that's another journey right that's another lift list of practices and processes that we go through to get us in touch with that but burning love is really something very different, a very different form of love, a very different function of love, and a very different experience of love. So next on the list is tragic love. And this is related to the Romeo and Juliet style of love, the romantic. In many ways, the romantic is tragic. And the reason Romeo and Juliet resonates within our culture as an incredibly powerful love story is because it's a tragic story. It's a tragedy, right? She wakes up right after he's poisoned himself and he realizes and then he dies and then she kills herself, right? Spoilers alert, by the way, if you haven't seen Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) So that tragedy is a kind of expression of the form of love. And this this actually happens in so many ways. It's not just the tragedy as in everyone dies in the end. It's also the tragedy that I can't be with that person, that the two lovers, the 
romantics cannot be together for whatever reason, whether it's forbidden because they come from different classes or different family backgrounds or because of the circumstances of the day, right? When the war soldier goes off to war, when the soldier goes off to war and he can't be with his wife, right? That's another sort of tragic love. When a tragedy happens, when someone is succumbing to a event that kills them or hurts them or takes them out, then that's another kind of tragic love. When you are sort of having someone taken away from you for whatever reason and they're just not with you, that all all of this comes under the form of tragic love. Now, there is another sort of side to this, which is the tragic love when you love someone and they don't want to be with you. And they don't love you back. So this is when you admire someone. You, you want to be with them. You would do anything for them. You really love them, right? You, you feel the love. And then you go out, you ask them on a date. <laughs> and they say no, right? Tragedy. That is, that is to someone who is in love, who experiences love deeply, a tragedy, right? It is, it's just heartbreaking. It's terrible. It's like, oh, what could have been? There was so much in that. I had so much desire and I would have done anything. It would have been so beautiful. I would have shown them anything. Right? It's just like the tragedy sitting within that person. And they experience that as a kind of love. That, that tragedy, that darkness, that pain actually has a love to it. It has a, a love experience to it. It's a, it has a form of love happening. Now, of course, that is a certain point that happens in the relationship because it is possible to have a longing and a loving for someone and to sort of put off whether you would actually be with them or not, right? Whether you would, it, it, it's like you, you like someone, but you don't ask them out, right? Because you don't want to have that pain of being rejected. There, there's something going on in that. Now, you could say, does that mean that everyone who asks someone out and got rejected, does that mean the person who did the asking out actually was in love with that person? Well, no, not exactly, because you can have this to a lesser degree where it's like, no, I don't exactly love the person. I've just got a sort of crush on them or I've got a, you know, a little interest in them. You know, they're 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 attractive. I would like them. I'd be interested to see what's going on. And then, well, they reject me and it's like, yeah, that's sad. Yeah, that's disappointing but you know it's not the end of the world it's not a tragedy right so so there are degrees to this there are levels to this but the the romantics that experience the tragedy when they're rejected well they are the people that are open to love that actually have the potentiality of very deep love within them so that's tragic love and of course, another one that just quickly comes to mind now is the long distance relationship. So this, I guess, is the same as, well, the man's at war and the wife's at home and they can't be together because of the war. But now we also have long distance relationships for different reasons. Maybe there's a pandemic on, maybe there's government regulation on, maybe there's financial limits to their life circumstances, and so on. So that's tragic love. Next on our list is blind love. 
So you've heard this saying, love is blind. Well, in so many ways it is. Because when you're in love, you have this sort of thing of radiating out. And it's so beautiful and it feels so nice that you don't really care. So this would be for sort of building on the example of the tragic love. This would be when the person loves another person and then the person that they love doesn't love them back. But they say, I don't care, (laughs) right? doesn't matter that you don't love me back. I still love you. I still feel it, right? And in the case of someone having blind love, radiating love and just being so head over heels in love and the other person does love them back, well, then they become their whole world and they don't see other things. And... (laughs) I've got I got a funny personal story with this where I was at, you know, this meditation resort in India and at the time I was I was clearly just head over heels in love and a couple of weeks of this went on and I sat down at the cafe one day and I sat down with a friend and I said to him where have you been? You know, I haven't seen you in like three weeks. It's a long time no see. I thought you would be here every day. And he looked at me and he laughed and he just said, I have been here every day. You just didn't see me. <laughs> and, of, and of course, he he knew why, right? And I knew why when he said it. I knew exactly what he was implying. It was that I was in this blind love relationship. <laughs> And there's there's no end to the things that you miss when you're in love like that, when you're in this kind of blind love. Now, of course, it doesn't have to be this way. This form of love is only a particular form of love. You can have a love which is still very much acutely aware of how it is. It's self-aware. It is still able to perceive still able to take note, still able to keep a check on itself, realizing that, well, this love might be blind. This might, this might be deluding my opinions, my perceptions, my observations, my way of going about myself. And the leg up is knowing that blind love exists. The trick is to know it. Now you know it. Now we've made it clear. Now we've made it explicit. You can look out for it and really just be on the guard for it and take it as one of your tricks in your trick bag. So the next one on our list is pure love. And this, of course, is different again to all the other forms of love that we've talked about up until now. Pure love is very rare because we can love, we can have the feeling, we can have the emotion of love and we can have the even the state of love on a very profound level and yet that can still be tied in with expectations of another person. It can still be tied in with our own conditioning and to expand a little bit more on the expectations because that's really the crux of it you can still have 
I want in a person to behave a certain way, to say certain things, to have certain understandings of the relationship, to have certain ways of going about the relationship, to have certain responsibilities of the relationship and all the rest of it. It goes on and on and on. In expectations, there's no end to it. There's, there's no end to what you can expect from another person. And that, that really gets to the point, actually. What, what is the opposite of that? What is the opposite of having no expectations of a person? And that is pure love. It is pure love. It is accepting a person as they are. Now, another way of saying pure love is unconditional love. And that's really just the same thing. It is just, I have no conditions by which my state will be diminished under which of yours... I mean, how do I, how do I say this more clearly? There's... There's no condition under which you can diminish my state. There's nothing that you can do or say that will take away from my pure feeling, my feeling of love, my outpouring of love, or we could even say my glow of love, my warmth of love. And that is a a very rare state. That sort of pure love is really... (laughs) It's really only reserved for high-level, highly practiced consciousness masters. It's something that doesn't come along very often. And even, even at that level, it's not something that's maintained on like a regular basis. People who live from that state, like they only come around once every few centuries. And this is different to always being in the state irregardless of others. It's possible to to maintain the state of love irregardless of who is around. You you can sort of cocoon yourself and put yourself into this this one bubble and then maintain that state. That's very different to unconditional love. That's very different to pure love. A pure love still resonates. A pure love still connects. A pure love is still conscious of the connection and what exactly is going on between you and another person. It's it's quite hard to sort of put put a description on. And a funny story comes to mind, which is this story Osho shared where he was sort of, you know, in his place and, and some famous guru came to visit Osho. And the story is that this famous guru was was full of radiating love and he loved everyone. And, and that's the story. And it was like, okay, well, come, come and see Osho. And what happened is this guru came in and, and he saw a pot plant and he, he was just so overjoyed for the love of this pot plant, he started hugging it. And it was clear to everyone that, including Osho, that, well, this guru clearly does have a strong state and a, and a blissful sort of feeling of love. But he was obviously also 
not aware of, well, what what is the effect he's having on the rest of the world? And Osho said, you know, leave that poor plant alone. He hasn't done anything to you. <laughs> if you keep loving that plant, you're going to hurt it, right? Like if you actually hug this plant, then you might cause it to, you know, cripple. It's like, leave it alone. And that's a really good illustration to show this difference between pure love and cocoon love or or blind love we could say it's a kind of blind love so next on our list is open love and this is really one of the keys to moving towards a more pure love it's it's opening up to a love of everything in an open way right that doesn't mean going and loving the pot plant and hugging it to death in, in such a way as, you know, you pull it out of its roots. That's not open love. Open love is really more allowing the field to come through, if we could say. So open love, well, that's just the same as being open-minded. That's the same as being open to collaboration. It's just the same as being open to new experiences. It's the same as being open to new feelings, It's the same as being open to new relationships. It's just openness, right? Openness should be quite clear. And to say there's an open love, well, that's like there's an openness openness to allowing the love to come through you and to flower through you and also open to receiving love. Because here's the funny thing about love. You can encounter someone, right? We're We're sort of going through these as if it's like, you know, here's me and then there's the rest of the world that I'm talking about and the other relationships. And it's like, it's me or it's you. And it's like, well, how do we love outwards? Open love sort of addresses this thing of, you know, is is love going out or is love coming in? Because in so many of these, it's possible for someone to love you and you to not realize it, right? It's possible for someone to have a burning love for you or a personal love for you and you do not even realize it, right? When someone asks you to go to the cafe, yeah, and you say, no, I just haven't got time. Well, have you just ruined someone's world? Have you just missed out on a very powerful, passionate love, right? If you're open, if you're actually sensitive to what what is actually going on here, if you're open to new experiences, well, the openness would sort of deal with that, right? Because if you're open to new experiences and someone asks to go to the cafe with you, then you say yes, right? That's how that's the actual function of open love. So be be on guard. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's not right to say be on guard for someone who might love you. <laughs> it's that's sort of like the opposite of what we're really going for. But keep keep on the lookout because half the trick is, do you know when someone's going to love you? Do you know when someone is, is ready for it, is yearning for it? Because you don't expect, you, you can't expect people to just say it, right? People don't have the guts all the time to just write out, come up and say, look, I love you particularly if it's a burning love, particularly if it's a personal love. Like to, to, to write, come out and just say, oh, you know, I'm dying inside of you. I love you so much. I'm dying inside. I'm dying inside of me. I'm dying inside of you. 
<laughs> I don't know. But the, the trick is open love. Next on our list is gooey love. <laughs> now, related to this is cheesy love. And this is when you have a new couple and they do those cheesy things, right? The cheesy pickup lines, the cheesy gestures, the cheesy ways of talking. And, and to anyone else who's watching this from the outside, you just think, ah, that is terrible. You know, Bleh. bring me a bucket. I need to be sick. <laughs> but that is a form of love. That is a playful kind of love. Now, you might say it's immature. You might say it's like, that's just for kids, you know, that's just for primary school and adolescent kids. That's, ah, that's young love. You know, maybe maybe we can tie young love in with the gooey love and the cheesy love. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, for, for anyone who sees it on the outside, it's, it's annoying and it's like, oh, geez. But when you're in it, you don't care, right? When you really feel that feeling of love, it's like, I don't care that I'm cheesy. It's so much fun. It's so much joy to, to have someone who allows you to do that, you know, to be silly, to, to say cheesy things, to, you know, to buy them flowers, to buy them chocolates, to, you know, to say you're really pretty, you know, oh, you're really amazing. Oh, I love your hair, you know, or this sort of just doubting upon someone, you know, this there's lavishing gifts on them and just giving them compliments, you know, that cheesy, that there's something very valuable in that. And it's, it's rare, right? It's almost like enjoy it while it lasts. Because even if you're in a relationship, you know, that's, that's a part of the relationship, which is going to graduate onto something else, right? That cheesy love is not going to last. That form of love is going to, if you're growing with your partner, mature and grow and change in a different way into a different form of love. Maybe some of these other forms, whether it's golden, field, warm, personal, burning, tragic, blind, pure, open. So that's gooey love. And some people would say that's not real love. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe in a sense. But you know, young love, that's also something very powerful. Innocent love, very powerful. So that's 10, but I do have two more on my list. So the next one is the bromance. And this is when you love your friend. You love someone as a friend. You love a friend as a friend. It's a friendship kind of love. You're my bro. You're my brother. And yeah, bro, I'd do anything for you, man. This is maybe related to the cheesy love, <laughs> the gooey love. Yeah, man, I love you, man. This is one of those ones that comes up when when you've had too many drinks and you're at the bar and you're having a yarn and it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, it's all right hanging with you. Yeah, it's all right hanging with you too. And you're sort of, you're sort of still maintaining that thing of like big tough men because because this whole thing of love is you don't want to get all lovey-dovey. You don't want to get all soft. You don't want to get all like a babe because, yeah, you know, no one likes that. So so we'll just be men. We'll be real tough and, and I still love you too, man. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't even, oh man, I can't even act that way because it's sort of, 
for me, it's sort of like now even that is the act. <laughs> it's like the, the act of the act is the acting. It's like, oh, man, just just say what you really think. And maybe bromance is only one step above gooey love. I don't know. But it's there for a reason. It's there because, well, it's a phenomenon. Because we really do love our friends. That's that's the truth of the matter. We want to love our friends. And we want to be able to say it. We want to be able to express those feelings. And it is rare that those feelings do come along. Maybe it does take a couple of beers for us to sort of strip away sort of those normal things that hold us in place. So that's the bromance. And now the last one I've got on this list is existential love. And another way of putting this would be godly love. Or or if you don't like the word God, we can say infinite love. Right? So I'm using these words interchangeably. Existential, God, and infinity. And if you want to add sort of a fourth one to that, that it would be consciousness. So this is the grand cosmic love of everything. And this would be like all of the forms of love at once, right? The golden love, the field, right? It's very much related to the field of love. When we talk about the field, well, that would be that would be like what is the field that is holding all of the fields, right? What is the thing that physical matter is in, light waves are in, particles are in, quantum happenings are in, radio waves are in, ultraviolet light, all, all the different types of light, you know, all, all of it, everything. What is everything in? That is infinite love. That is the existential love. And that's something that is its own kind of path. It's its own journey towards something higher. And when you experience an existential love, that is the ultimate experience of life. That is the ultimate existential experience, right? When we talk about experiencing existence, then a lot of the time what comes to mind is of vastness, you know, an experience of vastness, an experience of no boundary, an experience of unending eternity, an experience of rapture, an experience of ecstasy, an experience that is a a soaring high, an experience that overtakes every part of your being. Right now, along with all of that, and what really comes from all that is love. It's a love through existence. And that is existential love. Now, in the in the case of God, I mean this word God, we need to sort of put in its own place, and we I, I think we'll deal with that in a different conversation because that's a big question unto itself. And that there's a lot that we can you know, uses nuances and processes and understandings with godly love. So I don't want to go too far into that. Let's just keep this as existential love as the 
the twelfth form of love. Yeah, I believe I believe there's quite a lot we can say about godly love because a lot of people would say I've right. You've got this phrase where people would say I've felt the love of God all of my life, and you could say, well, was that God or was that existence? And was it something cosmic or was that just something personal, local and inside your chest, inside your heart? And really those questions are very interesting to explore. Those experiences and those understandings are very important to explore. So the question of God, existence and love is something we will continue. But at least that's a list for a start. Now there is... There are more forms of love. There are more ways of speaking about love. This this 10 to 12 list here is really just the beginning. And now that you've got the idea of it, you can probably come up with some of your own. Like, what what kind of love is this? And it's it's sort of funny to say. <laughs> it's, it's sort of funny to ask that question. Well, what kind of love is this? You say, it's not love at all. There's no love here. <laughs> right? And maybe that's where you draw the line. That's how you actually see the difference between love and not love. And <laughs> I guess, well, it, it should be obvious. It should be obvious in so many ways because it is obvious when you, when you really experience it, just like beauty, just like truth, just like transcendence. These things are obvious. When you see them, when they happen, there is absolutely no doubt about it and there's no excuse for them. There's no way in which an inadequate explanation can take away from that experience. So have a think about some of these. Have a look at some of these. And thanks very much for allowing me to share some of these ideas. Hope you're having a good day. And that's all we have to say for now. We'll be back very soon with more.